to the Off the Rails podcast, a deep dive into dynasty, death, and other degenerate forms of fantasy football. Please welcome your hosts, Ben and James. Off the Rails podcast, talking about what a fucking football on. All right, Ben, we are here to cover the second half of our rookie draft re-rank following the combine here, covering 19 through 36. Excited to get started? Oh, you know it. Always excited when talking about rookies. Before we get started, we do just want to mention, again, please uh, engage with us on social media at Off the Rails FF. And uh, please also rate, subscribe, and review the show. Uh, I know shows like part of my take say download the episode, delete that download, and re-download. Uh, we'll take all the numbers we can get. So we'll just go ahead and steal that from them too. So you guys, uh, everybody that's out there listening, please engage with us. We'd love to hear your questions. And uh, if you at us on Twitter, we will cover your questions at the end of upcoming podcasts. Uh, last thing to mention here before we get started is that after this episode uh, that is posting on Thursday the 5th, we will be taking uh, just a one-week hiatus to uh, gather some of our content and put together some more strategy-related podcasts to be released uh, the week of the uh, 14th, 15th. Bad at math right now. So uh, <laughs> get it right. Uh, that Monday, so the following week, we won't be uh, posting any podcasts here uh, next week. But the week after, we will be uh, again picking things back up on our normal Tuesday, Thursday cadence. Uh, you should all have plenty of content to listen to from what we've covered over the last week. Uh, we've been hammering out podcasts. And so uh, we all need just a quick break to, uh, to refresh. And, uh, and gather content uh, to give you guys some more podcasts that aren't just ranking related. Ben. James. Do you want to start us off with, your, with the number 19? Uh, yeah, man. Fire, fire in the hole. Uh, we've got Brian Edwards at 19. And it actually represents no movement from, <laughs> from me, which is like complete, completely counter to what I've done to everybody else that, that didn't run. Uh, you moved him down four spots. And I was already lower um, on him than you were. You were already lower. So, yeah, now there's a pretty big disparity. I've got him at 14 and you've got him at 24. I mean, dude, most of this for me is like, uh, you know, I'm punishing some of the guys that, that aren't participating in the combine for their lack of participation, but it's mostly the guys that are choosing to do so because, I, you know, that to me indicates something, you know, that, that like maybe we should be questioning their athleticism. You know, we covered that at length in the last episode, but... Uh, when it comes to the injuries, man, I, you know, that is what it is kind of thing. Uh, you know, uh, if it's something where a guy's had a long history of injuries or something like LaVisca Chenault, maybe you consider that as a reason to downgrade them. But otherwise it's like, yeah, man, I mean, this is like a foot fracture, uh, I believe. And so I'll, you know, I'm not sure whether or not he'll be ready in time for a pro day. Do you know about that? I think it's another one of those like four plus week timeframes, maybe even longer. I mean, dude, this is a Jones fracture in his foot. First off, I don't know how he didn't know he had this before coming up for the medical checks at the combine but i don't think this is a this is a quick turnaround well, brian edwards brian edwards didn't uh have it caught at the medical medical checks he okay it was remember, right that before. was like the week the week that's right the week prior that's right Thaddeus, okay. Thaddeus moss had his found at the medical checks okay um but yeah, I you know so yes, uh, m maybe he'll have a chance to run. Maybe he won't. Maybe he's just going to need to stand on the tape and like kind of the rumored athleticism, and all that's pretty good. And I do think that it's going to cost him draft stock. He probably should have gotten bumped down because of that. But dude, like I really like the talent of the player, and it is unfortunate he didn't get to participate in the combine because I like he's a guy that I think would have crushed it. So yeah, the first article I see here is facing a lengthy recovery timeline of eight to twelve weeks. Oof. From from February twenty fifth, so we're talking about him not even being fully recovered by the time the draft happens. Okay, okay, this is. Uh, um, I'll probably need to lower him even more. I you know, but let the record show that like you know, I believe that he is at least the fourteenth most talented player in this draft, probably higher than that. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, for, for those reasons and those timelines and stuff like that, that's going to hurt with like several things. Um, obviously his draft stock, but then also that kind of like puts him in day three territory. Oh, well, no, I, first of all, I don't, yeah, maybe, maybe, um, I was thinking more though, just in terms of like, is he going to be ready in time for the start of off season activities? Yeah. I don't know. They report for, for rookie camp like a month after. So he could, he could be ready to go. Yeah, so he could, I mean, he could be, but he could also still be sidelined. So, yep. you know, those, those types of things obviously would hurt him. Um, dude, he's definitely still going to get drafted. I still, still think drafted in day two, um, Maybe he slips from being more like a second rounder to more like a third rounder. Um, or maybe you had him lower than that all along. Ooh, I, I, time will tell. Yep. I, I I think at this point with the number of wide receivers that are really good and not injured heading into the draft, I would honestly be surprised if he's gone by the end of day two at this point. And that's not um, – that's just kind of – the way that it works when when you're in a stacked uh, in a stacked group position group at this point with with all the other skill position players too, um, we'll see we'll see what happens here. But uh, you know your yes your love for Brian Edwards is is well documented and uh, put it on the record. I recognize <laughs> that you uh, you know you punish players uh, that aren't Ben guys and uh, and and those that are you know keep keep them where they are to uh, to further show your love for them yeah well i i like honestly didn't in, intend for that to be the case i like thought for sure he would have moved down in my rankings and so then i was looking at it right there i was like oh that's probably you know yeah that probably looks bad <laughs> probably reflects poorly on me um so yeah maybe, maybe he would be lower but but yeah at the end of the day I, mean, I really like the player still so um just past him we've got michael Pittman at 20 and you know that's a guy that arguably could be in that in that one higher spot. Um, dude, I thought he did great at the combine. I think he met or exceeded most people's expectations for what his athleticism was. Um, put down a pretty banging three cone for a guy his size. Yep. You know, ran in the four fives, low four fives, and you know, I I think uh, that matches what I saw on tape. And like, yeah, man, that like kind of solidifies his profile for me. And you know, he's a guy. We'll see draft capital, landing spot, et cetera. But like, you know, man, dude, he's he's for sure, a, you know, a day two guy in my mind. And, uh, you know, where in day two, I don't know. Um, but I, li- I like him a lot. You're a little bit lower on him than me, although you did bring him up five spots, whereas I have him in the same spot as before. Yeah, no, I, uh, I am starting to uh, – I mean, I had him lower before and, uh, you know, starting to come around on him as a prospect. So I can see – some um an opportunity for him to continue to rise as as we go through this process for me uh you know big probably a big slot and uh and those guys have have some value at the next level so uh we'll see again you know kind of how the process plays out what he does his pro day where um when we get to the actual draft the you know the draft capital invested in him so uh but yeah he's he moved up a little bit after seeing the athletic testing from him and is is somebody that that is exciting here in, in you know the second half of the second round. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, you know, past him we've got Burrow at twenty one, and uh, like he's down three spots for me, but that's mostly just because I was you know pushing some of these other guys up. So that wasn't punishment is, for not participating. No, that wasn't punishment <laughs> for not participating. I, I don't I don't need that guy to go out there and participate in anything. I, I know what he's all about. Yep. Um, and he's gonna he's gonna do you know all all the throws and stuff like that at the LSU pro day. I could pr- pretty much guarantee you of that. Um, and th- and that's all that really matters. I don't, if he wants to run a forty, fucking great, you know. But m- most of that stuff is not super relevant for me. Yeah, and I kept him in the same place. Quarterback value, how I feel about it. Seem I like that you're kind of trending down towards that with you know what this class is at this point, uh, and and you know just the sheer number of of skilled skill position players. So uh, you know where I have him at 22, that stayed exactly the same, and and that's no shot at him the player. It is just how I feel about drafting the quarterback position in uh, you know it, at the onesie positions. Uh, and, and drafting them in rookie drafts, still the 101 in super flex drafts. So, for sure. 
and, and you know, do my opinion on this is is going to change with landing spots and stuff. Some of these guys are going to seem a lot less appealing, and like there's there's there is something nice about the sure thing of you know a number one overall type of quarterback with that type of talent, um, especially if you've got you've got serious needs at quarterback and you're like looking at a mid second pick or something like that. But um, so I, I'm yeah, I may, maybe they'll move back up here at some point in the process. But yeah, the, he's moved down a little bit, and so is Tua when we get to him here in a second as well. But um, Past Burrow, we've got Devin Duvernay at 22. Um, and that represents a little bit of a slide from both of us. He's actually down four for me and down two for you. Which feels a little a little crazy considering that, that he did well at the combine. Yeah, he did do well. Um it yeah, I, you know, it it does it does feel a little bit crazy. But some of it I think is representative of just the fact that so many of these guys uh, did well and improved or solidified their stock at the combine. Yeah, man, he's uh, he's somebody who you know where we had him ranked. Both of us having ranked. I mean, we had that that reaction on that ranking podcast, right? Again, want to always reference you guys back to we did deep dives covering these prospects uh, in our initial rankings, and uh, Duvernay was somebody we were both really high on compared to consensus at this point. And he came in at the combine and he threw down that four, three, nine, uh, with that one twenty one broad and 35 and a half inch vertical and, uh, or one twenty three broad. And so, you know, he, he did really well at the combine and he did all of that coming in as that, that thick slot guy at, at five, oh, yeah, dude. at five eleven two hundred. So he's exciting and uh, and I think that yeah, this is more you know like we talked about on the last episode. Like the thing that sucks about rankings is that like you have to put that arbitrary number on that person when you can feel that you still really like that guy. And he's just somebody that moved down because of just other guys that that did really well at the combine. But he's still somebody that I love, and um, you know, landing spot dependent will could uh, could continue to move up. Yep, I agree with that. Um, draft capital as well, and, and like man, maybe more so draft capital for me uh, than landing spot with him, just because. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that was not, you know, getting a ton of hype. I, I think during like most of the in-season process, and so I'm, I am, I am really curious about where teams land with him. But yeah, no, I'll, I'll be, I'll be excited to see where he goes. Yep, um, and he's certainly going to be a dynamic player for somebody. So um, at 23, we've got to uh, Tagovailoa. And again, that's down three for me, and that's the same for you. Exact same. Um, yeah, not a not a whole lot to cover there. Obviously, he's not he's not moving anywhere. I mean, dude, like, I the one thing to comment on with him, it, you, you know, he at least went in for um, the medical checks, and like from everything that I heard, it like his progress is going along like about as perfectly as one could hope um, for a recovery to go and that he is well ahead of schedule and everything is looking very good and positive at this point. So nothing but sunshine and rainbows on that front. Um, I, I think it makes it like more and more likely that we can assume he's going to like have, have a full recovery and, you know, be the two that he was before he got hurt. And, um, some team I think is going to get like, yeah, dude, a fucking stud quarterback. I, you know, there, there's a piece of me that if both fully healthy, you know, we'd be having a conversation here about, uh, you know who the number one quarterback actually is, I, and that's why for me, you know, I, you've I think you've said you might have him as your third player in a super flex, but for me, I would still have two as the number two player overall in a super flex draft, and like pre- pretty handedly, I think. Yeah, man, he's he's awesome, and like you said, I mean, that's been a lot of the conversation. Like, if Tua was healthy, would there be a legitimate debate at one, right? And after these checks have come in, we might hear that discussion heat up a little bit more. We might hear the Redskins be willing to trade off of that that picket too for somebody that's going to come up and make sure that they get him. Uh, that discussion is going to really heat up after he had these these solid checks at the combine, and and you know we talk about in the combine with all of the, the athletic testing numbers and the measurables, but really what the combine is for is for these medical checks for all of these guys to get in one place for all the doctors to be able to evaluate. And uh, in that aspect of it, that's all that Tua was there to do. And he got as good a news as he could get. So we can just hope that that, that continues and that uh, he just 
continues to trend towards health. And by the time, you know, there's he's hoping to be cleared by his doctors March 9th, which means that he will presumably be throwing and participating in the Alabama uh, Pro Day. So we'll really get uh, our, our feeling and understanding about him at that time. Uh, and, and hopefully he does meet that March, like putting that hard March 9th date out there also like that, you know, creates some accountability around it. And I think at that point we, you know, we'll get, that'll be another checkbox if he's healthy and cleared for, for football activities at that point for us to say, okay, yeah, this guy is trending towards full health and, and trending towards, uh, competing to maybe be that first guy off the board. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, Shall we move on to the next guy? Yeah, 23. Uh, I figure I might as well say this since uh, I'm, I'm much higher on him than you are. It is uh, KJ Hamler who comes in at 23 for us um, at 18 for me, which was down eight spots and at 27 for you down six spots. So I, I, I have him foolishly low right now. You probably still have him low. I think that you and I both know as far as draft capital goes, I don't think he's going to make it outside of the second round based on what I'm hearing. Yep. Um, not necessarily based on my opinion. Now, like I'm obviously open to being wrong about these things and like where an NFL team takes this guy is going to matter more than what like my pre-draft thoughts on guys were. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm expecting that I, I've got him foolishly low right now, but yeah, man, we, we haven't, we haven't really seen it. He's a guy that for me, it's like most of the appeal comes down to what his athletic profile is supposed to be. And, um, you know, we haven't gotten a chance to see it. Uh, you know, I want to see it. I want to see the numbers validated. And um, then then you'll start moving back up. But, dude, at the end of the day, I, I still am very worried that this is a um, better for real-life NFL team than for your fantasy team type of player. And if I am right about that, I you know, I, I will gladly have him later than everybody else in my rankings so that I end up with no shares because it's, you know, a, a risk that I may not want to take. And I might change my tune on that here at some point. But as of right now, that's that's kind of my thought process on him. Yeah, you were uh, you were certainly a hater from the beginning. Not not a real real fan of, of him and his okay. game. Okay. So haters hater hater is strong. Is is it though? Uh, maybe not. I don't think it is. I don't think it's that strong. Uh, I really like this guy as a prospect. I was expecting him to show up and to do some uh, some pretty awesome stuff at the combine. So it was frustrating for that not to be the case. And yeah, hopefully uh, at his pro day, he'll show up. He'll throw down those numbers I expect him to, and he'll be right back up into my first round again. So uh, still, still really like this guy, and expect him to you know to like you said, be drafted in the first two rounds of the actual NFL draft, and that immediately shoves him up uh, rookie draft boards for sure. For sure. Um, moving on to our next guy, and Tua and KJ Hamler were actually tied at 23, so this guy's 25. Uh, we've got Chase Claypool, a guy that was on neither of our boards. Nope. Heading into this, and that was uh, what appears to be like our great, our great combine miss. Uh, he was. Yeah. Out of all these guys, you know, he's he obviously was un, went from unranked to 23rd on your board and unranked to 25th on my board. So um, moving up, moving up for sure. Yeah, this is a guy that's exciting, right? I mean, I think we've all seen the graphic at this point. That is, you know, the only people at 6'4", 235 to run, uh, I think it was sub 445, uh, are... Chase Claypool and Megatron. So hell yeah. So that at that point, Chase Clay. So so ergo, Chase Claypool is Megatron, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. obviously the line that we all need to be connecting at this point. Uh, is is it that he is Megatron? No, but I mean, dude, everything he did at the combine was awesome. Four four two, forty and a half inch vertical. 126 broad again doing all of this at 64 238. So yeah, dude, there was there was all this talk leading up to the combine about this guy, you know, being a tight end conversion yep. project. And uh, I, I was all of that put to bed, or is he just all of a sudden like the most scariest tight end prospect of all time? Yeah, I don't know, man. You know, again, that that big slot, like you know, most of the tight ends that we that we really love, obviously, like Kittle. Uh, 
not included in this conversation, but you know, your Mark Andrews, even your Travis Kelsey's, those guys are spending a good portion of their snaps in the slot. And so, I mean, you know, that's what I see Chase Claypool doing at the next level anyway. Uh, it would be cool for him to have that tight end designation from a fantasy perspective, just because how scarce Hell that yeah. position can be. But all in all, this guy looks like he could be a real deal. He had great production his final year there at Notre Dame. So uh, the other, the two guys uh, that he was floated out, is he more like his former teammate, Miles Boykin, or more like Devin Funches? He answered the the bell and seems to be more like Boykin, which is uh, which is pretty exciting. So we'll see we'll see what this guy looks like. You know, again, so much of these conversations we're having without draft capital, and that just changes everything so much and landing spot. But it does, it does, and you know what, man, this year especially with the wide receiver position being what it is, I am just like you know, once we get kind of out of like the first 10 guys or so I, I start to get like real shaky on where I think some of these guys will actually go because you know, man, there's, there's speculation all across the board as far as um, how many wide receivers could potentially go in the first two days of this draft. You know, most people think that it's, it's going to be very, very high, possibly a record number. You know, he certainly, I think could be a guy that gets into that conversation uh, to be, you know, one of those, one of those day two picks. I, I, I with the numbers that he posted with that size, I, I just have a hard time feeling like a team's not going to want to, you know, take a run at that relatively early. Totally agree, man. And then uh, this next guy, another athleticism freak at 26 in Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, I have him at 28 on my board. Uh, that was that was moving him up six spots. And he's now at 21 on yours, moving up seven spots. Uh, I honestly want to hear a little more from you on that, on, on, on how he kind of moved up further in, in your board here to 21. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, that is a like special kind of athleticism. Um, you know, the last person that we saw that posted numbers kind of similar to his at a size, similar to his, um, not at his position, but, uh, at the combine was probably Byron Jones, who was another guy who like broke the vertical and I, you know, his athleticism at the very least has translated like fabulously to the NFL. I mean, dude, he, he looks like a killer out there. And um, I think that Byron Jones is a better player at his position. So don't get me wrong on that. I mean, there's a reason why Peoples Jones isn't higher than he is. But um, I, I do think that those those tests like absolutely more than validate the athleticism you see on on tape. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that kind of makes for a potential scary scary project. And I, you know, anytime you know that a guy's athleticism alone is going to translate to a like absolutely elite level um, in the NFL, it you know. I think it, it is going to get NFL teams interested. And so, you know, again, talking about these wide receivers that are in that day two conversation, I think he's absolutely introduced himself into that mix. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the, in the first, the first three rounds. Can I give you the comp that I've heard more that I feel like uh, matches him? Yeah, I mean, Byron Jones isn't a wide receiver, sure. so admittedly, it's not a great comp. From an athleticism standpoint, it is, but yeah, who's 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 the actual... Is I'm assuming it's a wide receiver comp. Yeah, Chris Conley. Chris Conley. Not okay. not great production profile in college. He's actually the other guy. He jumped uh, the same vertical. He actually had a much faster uh, 40 number. He ran a he sub... He was much faster. Ran sub 4.4s, four uh, but that's been the comp... That, that I've been hearing that that I see a lot of, uh, you know, Chris Connolly is a, f a fine NFL wide receiver, right? I mean, former Chiefs player, third third round yeah, pick, he, I believe. He, he obviously, and whatever, man, he's, ha he's had his moments and made some plays here or there, but he's never developed into... Um, like, dude, a, like a real a real gamer, football player type of guy. I mean, you know. Yep. And, that's, um, and that's what I see here. And, and I think, you know better athlete than than football player and that and that may change over time uh, obviously that athleticism warrants him being drafted in rookie drafts probably like you said will go by the end of day two but i you know from a football player standpoint and you see this in his production i, I you know 
he's he's definitely a project. And I think like if I'm an actual NFL team and I've got to invest a day two pick in that guy at the wide receiver position when you've got so many other skilled players available uh, in this class that you know if he goes like if the Steelers draft him, then I'll be like, all right, you know, throwing my hands up, this guy's like a first round pick or something, you know, with the way <laughs> with the way that they hit on wide receivers. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, you know, I he's somebody who like best case scenario with him what it takes him till year three to really have any real production and i know wide receiver curves are you know longer obviously than running backs but like i'm i'm just thinking about like when would i I actually see returns from this guy in fantasy football sure i think that he probably will return punts and kicks immediately and so you know i that that makes him and I don't know what kind of an offensive role he will have but um certainly yes if he develops some I would think that he would get um you know an increasing amount of offensive targets and things like that I you know to what end uh, who really fucking knows we don't know the situation he's going in we don't know a lot of things but but I do think that like whatever team drafts him is going to be looking at this guy like yeah this guy's going to return balls for us and so you know if you're in punt kick return leagues things like that he may be an intriguing prospect because at that point you've got that baseline if he's able to get on the field um you know on offense relatively early on that's a huge bonus kind of kind of thing yeah i just but you know again yeah i just struggle having like with having him at 21 that just that just feels like really rich for my blood and and uh with with all the other guys in this class you know we know we we know what kind of an athlete he is but that's fair. That's fair. And I like, I, as I'm looking over my rankings right now, after <laughs> the dust has kind of settled a little bit, it's like there may be some combine overreactions here or there. Um, and, you know, whatever. This is going to be a constant process of tweaking here leading up to the draft. So, um, and then obviously some major tweaking after the draft. So, all right. I, I, I'm not ashamed of it as of right now. I think, I think there's an argument to be made. So, fair enough. I mean, that's what we're here for, right? H- having, having those differences and making those arguments. That's enough of DPJ. We've kind of uh, beaten him into the ground here a little bit. Uh, Next guy on the list is another guy with a hyphen, Antonio Gandy-Golden. Gandy-Golden. Who uh, didn't test as well as some of the other large wide receivers at the combine. I do, but he tested the way that I thought he was going to test. He was one of the guys I was closest on with my projections. I thought it was going to be 4-5-7. He was 4-6 nailed the vertical at 36 and like quite frankly man that's those are pretty good measurables for a guy of his stature i think they are man i mean like yeah he was kind of the athlete we expected him to be really the evaluation with him right is about his ball skills more than anything um he is really good in the air uh has has great hands so he's and and just just a crazy production profile from uh you know from his time at liberty so he's going to be somebody that you know we kind of knew what he would be uh it you know coming into the combine and we'll we'll see what happens with him but he i'm sure impressed teams with with his size and ball skills and and running the drills looked looked good so uh, those were the combine numbers we expected i don't really see him you know moving moving very much uh, from from the spot that he's in. He kind of he dropped just three spots for me, and it looks like four spots for you. So a little bit of an adjustment there. But again, that was more about other guys jumping in front of him. Yep, 100%. So that was 27. And then here at 28, we've got Keyshawn Vaughn. And uh, this is a guy... Dude, again, look at, look at this one. It's like I feel like we both punished him... A little bit too much, um, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, tell me your thoughts. No, that's I mean uh, just, that's exactly what get, I was going to say. He kind of tumbled down a little bit for both yeah, of us. We, you're you're down seven on him, and I was da- I'm down nine on him. Um, and again, that feels unfair. It, if I'm criticizing my own rankings, I, it's like ah, there's Ben. Yeah, there's been a lot of that. The uh, the listeners certainly uh, can 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 trust what you're saying with with how. Uh, strong your opinions are at this point look look look, man if anybody has got like dead set like locked in opinions at this point in the process uh there's a fair amount of hubris in play there because 
uh, dude, there's there's a tremendous amount of question marks still at this point. And so it's like, yeah, I think wavering back and forth is a natural thing to be doing, especially the, like the deeper you get into these these lists. Sure. So. And uh, I, I can tell you one person who's locked in, and that's Dave Gettleman. He, he, he has his oh, guys, yeah. and he trusts. Did you know that before this year, he has never once ever... And I'm sorry, we have to go on a little Dave Gettleman diatribe here, but Dave Gettleman has never once traded down in all of his years of being a GM. That seems like some kind of a record. It is because Dave Gettleman is so sure in his evaluations that he cannot be wrong, that he cannot trade, and he must take that pick because he is so much more right about the players that are available there than anybody else. Man, dude, I, I like the confidence. But 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 also, yeah, Dave Gettleman's a clown, and it's not really confidence. It is it is hubris. It's like, yeah, man, I, you're fucking wrong. You've been proven over and over again to be wrong. Um, I mean, whatever. He's made right right picks, obviously, but like he's proven to be in, you know, not infallible. So, um, yeah, man. And again, I, I I think that goes for for pretty much everybody here. And sure. Uh, um, but yeah, anyway, on, I'm sorry. I just, I just had to hit on that because like he's, he, I just, I know he's probably fully formed in his opinions at this point. Uh, decent combine from Keyshawn Vaughn. I mean, four, five, one. That, I mean, that's basically the number that we thought he'd run, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought he was going to be a little bit faster. I also thought he was going to be a little bit more explosive. He was actually I, what I would consider to be a combine disappointment for me. I mean, I had him at a four, four, three, 36, he did a four five one thirty two. That's you know, uh, not my biggest miss, but one of them. And uh, you know, I, to me, is that all still very passable for the NFL and, and above average in many cases, um, especially for his size. Um, you know, he clocked in at the combine at five ten two fourteen. It's like, yeah, man, all of that stuff is more than passable. All of that stuff is is in the sweet spot for um, for the the running back position at the NFL level. Um, I don't know the 32, you might want a little bit more, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. And maybe, and maybe he's being un- unfairly punished here. I mean, why, why do you have him as, as, uh, far down on your board as you do at this point? Yeah. Just, uh, kind of, kind of a response. Yeah. What he was a bit of a disappointment. He's, I think there's a pretty clear line here after Zach Moss, Eno Benjamin, in, in the running backs, in my opinion. I know you draw a harder line after Zach Moss, um, whereas I, you know, have have Eno up higher. But I think that there's a big difference between those guys now and, and then Keyshawn Vaughn. And so that's just where he fell. And it was more about just how many of these wide receivers that are awesome and deserve yeah, and I, deserve I, to be ahead of him. I agree with that. I do actually have Eno ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn now, which I didn't uh before um, I, and I, I, I would kind of tend to agree with you. I mean, dude, I love, you know, Benjamin's tape. I think he's, he was fucking awesome, but Keyshawn Vaughn also, man, has, has had a great college career and he probably deserves to be in that tier would be my guess. Um, I would still probably tear it off once you get past the main guys, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is in his own tier probably. And then maybe I would have a tier with AJ Dillon, Zach Moss, and then maybe I would have a tier with, you know, Benjamin and Keyshawn Vaughn. It's kind of how I'm looking at it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, I I can see I can see how that works out. But yeah, I mean, you know, this is a guy who has the size, has the production profile, decent enough combine, and if he lands in the right spot, he's gonna go skyrocketing up boards. So you know, deserves to be here. I mean, I think if really oh, okay, fun fun exercise here, James. Yeah. If, we should have been we should have been doing this for all the running backs. Just you know, uh, if he lands on the Chiefs, how high does Keyshawn Vaughn go? He's a first round pick. You think? Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, he's okay. He's, he's a what, first round pick. What, is is that irregardless of draft capital? Um, I wouldn't say irregardless, but I would say if taken in the first five rounds. Damn. So you think if he's a fifth round pick? That guy should be going in the first round of NFL dra- of, uh, rookie drafts to the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. What is, but what what does fifth round draft capital even mean, man? 
Um, you think it means he's he's going to unseat Damian Williams? You think it means they won't bring in more help in free agency? You think it won't mean that they'll draft like a second round running back the following year? I mean, uh, this this ends up being, uh, yeah, kind of kind of my issue with the like dra- draft a Chiefs running back high at any cost kind of mentality. It's like I, I the draft capital I think has to be attached. Otherwise, man, like Darwin Thompson in one of our leagues, he ended up going in the first round. Yeah, that's a huge mistake. That dude. was stupid, though. He's not. He doesn't have a three down size. He, I, am, he, he I understand, but like he, he was, was, he was a sixth round pick. Like he was a sixth round pick, but I think I just be yeah. I think that's a big difference. Okay. I I think that if he goes to the Chiefs, even in the fifth round, he's for sure in that early second conversation. But I still think that's it seems strong to you. I but like I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see it all over the place. Him going in the first round if that's what happened, because people are stupid. But like on, honestly, man, fifth round draft capital to me does not mean that that guy's got any kind of a guarantee at anything other than you know maybe some bit role. Yeah, I mean, I guess in you know in this in this draft with all the it'll depend on where the other guys go, right? Like that's always the way you know the caveats you're going to give in these types of conversations. So if he goes in the fourth round, so you're saying he needs to go in like the third round for that to be the case. You're saying it needs to be day two. Uh, I mean, dude, if he goes in the fourth round, I think that we can start having the conversations. If he goes in the third round, I think those conversations start to get pretty fucking easy that it's like, yeah, man, I, you know, this is a, this is a early running back pick by the chiefs. You know, you've got to expect that if, even if he doesn't come out there and, you know, dominate the workload year one, that that's, what they're going to be kind of angling towards. I mean, I, I honestly think third round draft capital on a running back indicates at least that's what that's what a team is hoping to do. If you're going to invest that much, I you know I feel like that's that's supposed to be the plan. Otherwise, you're making a mistake. If you're if you're drafting like some part time guy or whatever, or some maybe running back in the third round, you're doing it wrong as an NFL franchise. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, I mean, you know, we'll just have to see a landing spot. But we both, yeah, we both moved him down our boards here, so. Yeah. Uh, All I know, man, is one one way or another, as a Chiefs fan and just a fantasy fan, it's like one of these guys is going to win the fucking lottery and they're going to land on the Kansas City Chiefs. And like when that happens, dude, who, who, wherever they are, they are ranked, they are going to fucking skyrocket up boards. Yes, you're exactly right about that. And I hope it's, you know, Benjamin. Moving on. Dude, why? <laughs> for for all of the guys, for all of the guys that you would wish onto the Chiefs, don't get me wrong, dude. Benjamin's fine, but like, why, why don't you wish somebody like Cam Akers onto the Chiefs or somebody like DeAndre Swift onto the Chiefs? Because that's who I'm hoping I, for. Right, and and you own them in Debbie leagues, and and I own Eno, own Eno in a Debbie league. So <laughs> okay, well, fine. So somebody we own neither of. How, how about the Chiefs take J.K. Dobbins instead? I'd much prefer that. I think yeah, I think the perfect Chiefs running back is Clyde Edwards-Helaire, personally. But Clyde Edwards-Helaire would actually be really fucking dope, man. Yeah, I, I I would be I would be hard into that. I think that we could do some incredibly dangerous things with him, and I and I do think that he's a guy that it's like, yeah, could p- potentially now could potentially be there for the Chiefs at, at like the back end of the second. Uh, yeah, I I, I don't know, maybe. That, that that could be the case. I'm not super locked into landing spot right now. Um, or to, you know, draft capital. I think that'll really start to present itself over the next um, the next few few weeks, month. Uh, the thing that we yeah. really, you know, like when we talk about whatever, a guy that the fantasy community was really high on, that, that you know, Hakeem Butler and that happening, like... There, I remember like listening to actual draft pundits. Like, I try to stay really locked into Kuiper McShay, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, like these guys that they're talking to NFL teams. And that was the thing that the fantasy community just missed at large was that Hakeem Butler wasn't in those in those conversations. And so that's what I think is really valuable heading into the actual NFL draft when you're trying to think like, okay, where are guys going to end up going? Is and from a fantasy perspective, especially in these in these rookie drafts, it, you know, kind of in advance is like, am I hearing day two buzz around these guys? Uh, and and then you know we'll see landing spot for guys like Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, I would say right now I wouldn't be surprised for him to be available there at the back end of the second round. So, um, yeah. So we're we're gonna. We're gonna circle back here. We've uh, we've we've gone a little off topic here, just 
uh, sort of uh, handing back and forth our uh, our chief dreams at the running back position, and uh, and we're gonna try and get back on track here with our t- number twenty nine guy, Alberto. Ben, you want to say his last name? You want to try? I'm I'm not I'm not trying. Nope. Okwukbunum. 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 So <laughs> in, in our rankings podcasts, again, please go back and listen. Uh, you said that if this guy does something of substance that makes me know his name, that I will learn it. Is running a 449 something that justifies you learning how to pronounce his name? Apparently it wasn't something that caused you to learn how to pronounce his name. Okwukbunum. Give me your best shot, James. Okwukbunum. All right. Yeah, man, that 449 was something else, man. Uh, like a huge surprise to me. And and it can't be ignored. I dude at the end of the day, that is like maybe like the best 40 time that we've ever seen run by a tight end uh, at the combine. Yeah, I don't so, I don't know yeah, if it's difficult if, to ignore. it's the best, but it's certainly from any of these tight ends, like no tight end has run it at that size. You know, we've had Evan Ingram's run sub 45. I don't know where Gasecki landed um you know you have guys that 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 run those numbers but they're more you know glorified wide receivers kind of playing the tight end position you don't see a guy here at uh at albert o's size run that number i mean this is a guy uh you know we we covered this in our instant reaction to the tight ends but this is a guy that ran that at almost 260 pounds this is a big big man and he moves really fast. And we'd like to see that translate more on tape. But at this point, we know this tight end class isn't awesome. I think it's agreed upon within both the NFL community and the fantasy community that that's just what it is at this point. And we know that teams reach when things are slim at positions. And I feel like Alberto, he, I mean, he has to be the first tight end taken at this point, right? Um, I mean, has to is strong. I, you know, there's always a case for a guy that's like more of a, you know, well, quote unquote, well-rounded type. Like, I don't know, man, there's been a bunch of buzz for Cole Komet and stuff like that. And he did fine, but, but it's like, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, most of these other tight ends, that's the best description you could probably give them. It's like, hey, it is fine. It's probably like average NFL athleticism type of stuff. I mean, nobody, nobody really knocked your socks off in the way that this guy did. And that's, you know, ignoring the fact that most were considering heading into the beginning of last season that this guy was going to be, you know, the top tight end prospect. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it definitely changed my mind a little bit. Dude, I had him pegged at something hella slow, four, six something. And at the end of the day, that is something that I will say is still deeply concerning for me uh, because like a four, four, nine is very, very fast. And obviously what I saw on tape wasn't somebody that was moving that fast. And um, yeah, I've, I've got the concerns about his play speed and, and maybe it's still not matching up, but it's difficult to ignore at this point, at least the recorded athleticism. And I'm assuming that that's going to reflect in his draft capital. And like you said, it's a weak tight end class. So I, you know, if he was the first tight end off the board, I wouldn't be surprised. I would say that if, you know, I was a betting man, I would, you know, pick him to be the guy. Uh, I don't know where he'll go, how high he'll go. Um, but you know somebody I'm sure is going to be going to be intrigued by that that athleticism, and, and like it's worth mentioning that like he basically stood in that forty time and didn't do shit else, you know didn't jump anything didn't you know do any of the you know, he did the drills, um, but he didn't he didn't do any of the other athletic testing. I mean, dude, I ran a four four nine at that size. I wouldn't do anything else either. Yeah, dude, I'd drop the mic, yeah. walk away, wait for somebody to draft me in the first round. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, you know what, man? And I think he, at this point, is is the tight end one in this uh, in this rookie class. So, uh, you know, him coming in at twenty nine, uh, that that makes sense at this point. He was a riser, big riser for you. He wasn't ranked uh, in your top thirty six before. Uh, yeah, he was he was just outside. I mean, and I danced, I flirted with him being in the top thirty six for a while there. But yeah, he wasn't ranked. Up ten spots for me, up three for you. Um, I think we we are pretty close on him. You're you have him at this point at thirty. I have him at twenty nine. So, yep. 
Uh, all right, so that's uh, that's at twenty nine. Here at thirty, we've got Anthony McFarland, running back, Maryland. Uh, this was somebody who uh, I was way higher on than you. Um, you you have a be- you have a bet with me going right now. Him versus Zach Moss. How are you feeling about that at the moment? Yeah, not not great. Was it him versus Zach Moss? We've got a producer Tim. We need you to to, to figure out that bet. We don't we don't have the 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 who, running one there. Just just out of curiosity, James, who who are you going to try and convince me that it was that wasn't Anthony McFarland? I uh, I don't know which of the yeah, which of the other running backs it was. It, it makes you, sense. It would you be. dropped him. You dropped him thirteen spots. I did. So you you had him, you know, early second round, and you've now dropped him to. It was mid. It was mid second round. He was at okay. he was at eighteen. Early he was at eighteen early for me, mid. and he's he's at thirty one now. So, okay. um, yeah, I mean, he's drops down size is concern. Wasn't as explosive as we we thought he would be. Injuries are a bit of a concern. We'll we'll see where he goes. Uh, but he didn't he didn't flash. The explosiveness I expected to see, the top end speed that we expected to see. I mean, four 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 is still a great number for a running back, but it was a disappointing combine for me from him, and uh, that moves him back into the range of if you don't have that otherworldly explosion and top end speed at the size that you're at, then you can't be a three down back anyway. You know when are you really going to return value as a fantasy running back? And so that that pushed him down into the range, uh, you know, early third round, and uh, and, yeah. and that makes sense. He he might uh, start moving back up my board. I mo- do most of what I hated about his combine was his twenty nine and a half inch vertical, which was I mean, dude, you kind of understated it when you said less explosion than we thought. Well, that was like per- really bad explosion. I you know I had him pegged to like a thirty eight inch vertical. I thought he was going to run a four three five. I mean, his four 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 was still very acceptable, and I think he suffered a little bit from. Uh, you know, Jalen Rager syndrome here where it's like, you know, he was 195 playing weight. He came into the combine at 208, trying to like show teams he can be a feature back size, I, I think was the idea here. And uh, lost a little bit of of that like speed and explosion that we saw on tape. Um, now, like I say that, you know, maybe, maybe that could compensate for some of the difference in the 40 time or whatever, but like that 29 and a half, I mean, dude, like, you know, when you like turn yourself into like sprinter, sprinter legs, like Jalen Rager has, you jump out of the fucking gym. And so like one would have thought that if he was bulking up that like that would be helping his, his vertical, um, not hurting it necessarily. So, um, so uh, yeah, maybe he's just not that explosive of a guy. And, and that was like the biggest reason why he moved down for me. Um, but you know, this is a pretty thin running back class. Once you get like out of like, like the real, like prize jewels there at the very top. Um, and so, you know, there, there's a chance he ends up going higher in real drafts and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where he ends up getting actually drafted in the NFL draft. There's a chance he could still, uh, he's not going to, I don't think he's going to be a day two guy, but I, you know, he could be an early day three guy. I think the other guy that the bet was around was Keyshawn Vaughn, not Zach Moss, but Either way, no. either way, I'm going to lose that one probably. So, uh, anyway, uh, moving on to the next guy here on our boards, it is Lynn Bowden at 31. Not a Ben guy. Not a Ben guy. So why don't you, why don't you lead it off with your thoughts here? Where did he move for you? How much did he move for you? He moved down eight spots, but this was a full on punishment. That's a lot. I mean, it was punishment for not participating in the combine. He didn't do anything. So. Lynn Bowden, you know, not not uh, not great. Seeing the fact that he didn't participate in the combine, I thought he would uh, he would do some some good stuff there. I still think his production profile is good. I loved like it's you know not having a clear position is a little frustrating, but he's somebody who is a weapon on offense, and I think that a team is going to value a player like that with such a diverse skill set. So uh, he's, yeah, dude, he's still, going to succeed. I, I think he'll succeed at the next level. I still think he's going to be an exciting guy. I, that's why he's still on on my board here. He definitely is going to need to do a pro day and throw down some crazy numbers because there's still a lot of red flag question marks, et cetera. He still is a, a big project in my mind. Um, I'm glad to see you move him down eight spots. I feel like that's coming to your senses a little bit. I've moved him down two more. He's at 33 for me, 29 for you. Um, you know, with some good athletic testing, I think both you and I would probably – 
end up kind of pushing them back up a little bit. Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, people can hear again, we're going to keep referencing back to those other podcasts on, on the guys that we've already covered, but, uh, you could hear the two of us go at it on, uh, around Lynn Bowden. Uh, I think that was episode four when we covered, um, 19 through 24 of, of our original podcasts here. So, um, next we've got LaMichael Pirine running back from Florida at 32. Not a not a ton of movement from. I mean, we he he went down for both of us. We in the response to kind of when we did our running back instant reactions, kind of grouped him and maybe in the in the jaggy area uh, at the running back position. Kind of post combine, he's going to be somebody that he feels so landing spot dependent to me at this point. Yeah, landing spot, draft capital, both. Um, the dude, you know. Like we were talking about in the previous episode, the four six two is still within the range of like acceptable speed for an NFL back um, to be successful at a high level. Um, and the thirty five inch vertical and, and other kind of testing still indicates that this is a guy that has has got some uh, good explosion and things like that. So I, you know, I, I did move him down a little bit because I thought he was going to run closer to like a four five. Um, so, you know, natural consequences of running a 4.62. It's like you're going to get bumped a little bit. He already wasn't exactly like my tape darling, uh, you know, of this draft by any any means. And so, you know, it's, it's just one more question mark kind of thing. And and I agree with you. I mean, the further, the further back we get in this draft, um, the more the question marks will get answered once we get we get draft capital and landing spot. Yep. So uh, that's that's pretty much all we have around LaMichael P. Ryan. Not not a ton to cover on him. Uh, next at 33, we have Justin Herbert. Uh, I had him at 34 on my board. He's actually my fourth quarterback. I want it to be known that I now have Jordan Love ahead of Justin Herbert, uh, at 33, but, uh, in our composite rankings with you having him at 33, he ended up, uh, sitting for us here in our composite rankings at 33. Yeah, man, I, uh... And and I have like kind of been wavering back and forth on this. I do know I'm a huge Jordan Love fan. I added him to my board. He wasn't on there before. Um, I've been watching some more of him, and like yeah, man, his athletic testing and stuff was really good at the combine. And I think that kind of like further helps a player of his type. Um, and yeah, there's been a little bit of he also yeah he also looked great in the drills. I mean, dude, but so did Herbert. They both look great in the drills. Um, but there has been a little bit of of murmuring now that. Um, it, it could be possible that Love is actually the third quarterback to go in the real NFL draft. I mean, but dude, there's also like more than murmurs at this point that all four of those guys could go top 15. And top if, 10, if something maybe, like that, which is even crazy, maybe, uh, you know, if something like that happens, man, these guys would both be like really, really interesting super flex players. I, I, I wouldn't know exactly where I would place them. I would still want to start getting into some of that high end talent. Um, at the skill positions probably before taking those guys but again that's going to be landing spot dependent as well and like what the path to playing time and stuff like looks like for them what kind of weapons do they have around them oftentimes man when you are that third fourth quarterback off the board kind of a la Emma Holmes or a Deshaun Watson you can land in a much more stable situation with uh, you know a lot more pre-established weapons at your disposal and so like yeah man there, there could be yeah some pretty intriguing situations um, for both of those two so I yeah Keeping keeping the options open here, I you know landing spot for me. I think it will d- decide for me uh, where those two guys are going to end up in my final ranks. But you know they're both if if they go where we think they're going to go in the NFL draft, they're both surefire first round super flex guys. Um, I you know I would think that you'd be like looking at taking those guys probably somewhere in the middle of the round. Yeah, no, and again, this is this is more the range that I'm that I'm comfortable taking taking uh quarterbacks at this point i don't um i don't want to be taking quarterbacks in the second and so i'd rather take a shot on you know the third fourth guy here uh in in the third round uh so that's justin herbert at 33 and we kind of looped in our coverage of jordan love at 34 ben who who do we have here next on uh on the board yeah next here on the board we've got joe reed (laughs) Uh, and this is a, a Ben edition. You do not have him ranked currently. 
Um, I've got him slotted in now as my 35th player. I think you have watched him I have. plenty, though, and I think you're, you're familiar with him. Um, I am. You know, Joe Reed played wide receiver at Virginia. Um, his production profile is an interesting one. Uh, he, he really didn't have a, like a monster season this past year in terms of his yards. He had a crazy number of catches. Uh, that's like usually not a good thing, but like, it was just kind of the way that they chose to deploy him this year versus previous years, uh, where he had a little bit more of a varied role in, and, um, you know, got a little bit more involved in stretching the field, but like, yeah, this past year, he only averaged like 8.8 yards per reception, I think, which is very low. But like when you watched the, the kind of like routes that they had him running, um, you, you understand pretty quickly why, and it, because like most of it was just trying to like scheme him into space some way and get the ball in his hand. Now, like, Obviously, that's usually not a great sign for a player, and so there's uh, there's obvious red flags with, um, you know, what his ability is to actually run routes. He is he was the second on that team in receiving yards, by the way. The first guy in receiving yards, Hassis Dubois, uh, wasn't invited to the combine. So okay, uh, there there. Uh, I'm a- anxious to see actually how Hassis Dubois does at their pro day because I actually thought. Uh, that he was a pretty uh, solid-looking player on tape. So I understand why why they kept kind of going to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the, de- the deployment of Joe Reed was was curious. They did have him uh, returning kicks. Yep. And he did that like a, like a fucking boss. I mean, he was uh, third in all of college football in kick return average last year. He averaged 33 yards per return. Had a couple of touchdowns, um, and I, you know, I know that this is this is the type of stuff that uh, I love that gets you excited about a player. Yeah, he, I mean, dude, like, so all, all in all, when it's all sewn up, and they gave him a handful of carries and stuff like that, he ended up with like fifteen, sixteen hundred all-purpose yards when you include the return yards um, and a bunch of touchdowns. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, the, the the big highlight here is obviously what what he went out and was was able to do at the combine, and mm-hmm. that's. The, th- the thing that brought him to my attention and why he is on my board now when he was not before. Um, trying to find where I have his testing numbers. Yep. Do you know them offhand? I do. I've got them right here. So he ran a 4.47 with a 123-inch broad and a 38-inch vertical. Uh, yeah, which is obvi- obviously killer, man. I mean, yep. we're talking about some pretty elite athleticism, especially when you consider his size. And this is the piece that like really kind of drives it home for me with Joe Reed. You know, he did this stuff at six foot two twenty four. I mean, this guy is basically a fucking running back. Um, I think he fits in well to that that mold that a lot of teams are looking for, which is like the real heavy duty guy that you can you can kind of put across the middle and stuff. Thick slot. Um, yeah, thick slot man, and um, I, I could I could see him getting deployed that way. The route running that like they did have him doing, I thought that he showed like plenty of promise there. I mean, there's there's obviously stuff that needs cleaning up and stuff like that, but I, I don't think that he's a basket case by any means. Um, so yeah, I mean, the deployment of him was curious, but certainly the player himself, like the athletic profile, is tantalizing. For sure, for sure. No, he's somebody um, who yeah, I've I, I've been aware of. He checks a lot of those those boxes for me. Combine. Combine went well. Uh, we'll we'll see. He's definitely like somebody who just missed the cut for me, right right around that top thirty six. So um, we'll we'll see kind of just again how how things develop for him. But he's somebody that uh, listeners should definitely go check out because he's not a name that everybody is super familiar with. And like you said, his production profile like ton of catches. The years before that, not a lot of yards, but a good average. They were using him in a much different way. So he has a, a really interesting profile overall, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know could could be somebody that uh, that rises on you know in the fantasy industry's rankings uh, across the board. Yeah, and he was a guy that to me stood out during the actual on-field drills. I, you know, I tried to watch as many of those as I possibly could, and he kept kind of popping up over and over again. I was just like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? It's because, like, yeah, he really he really pops out there on the field. His athleticism uh, is pretty evident. So, Yeah, doing it at that size, I mean, he's, I guess, combined officially measured in at 6'1", 224. So, okay. um, yeah, I mean, we'll take that. Thick, thick dude at, you know, that's, that's, that's quite a build, uh, and, that, and that's pretty exciting. So, uh, 
The next guy here on the board is another guy that uh, wasn't ranked by either of us before. It was somebody who I was saying we should keep an eye on, uh, but that is Adam Troutman, the, uh, the tight end from Dayton. So this guy, he's got a great production profile, obviously played uh, lower tier football. But the reason that this guy, I just needed to make sure that I got him on my board here was his three cone. So this guy ran a six, seven, eight three cone at, um, at six, five, two fifty-five. So that's, that's impressive. That short area quickness and stuff. That's, you know, tight ends need to win in a phone booth. This is something that really for him, uh, I think he's going to show that he's going to be able to to succeed at the next level. You know, his 40 wasn't great running it in a 4.8. Like, that's less than ideal. But this is somebody who's going to win uh, on, on those routes across the middle. So he's not, obviously not an Albert O running in a 4.49. But uh, that 6.7.8 three cone is elite. And you, you put that with his production profile and his size and this is somebody I think can be successful at the next level and uh, and is my tight end too right now. And I needed to make sure to uh, to sneak him into my uh, my rankings. Yeah, very good, man. I, you know, am definitely, definitely intrigued more by him after, you know, watching his athletic testing. I don't know, man, at, at the end of the day here with the Titans, especially, man, I'm, I'm going to need to see some draft capital. I, you know, there's a lot of question marks and I am far from convinced that any of them are really, truly elite options and, um, I want to I want to see what NFL teams think. So fair enough. Um, so those those were two new guys we had to our boards. Uh, just the last two. I mean, you know, between the two of us, we did a composite ranking, just our top thirty six. But we both had a couple of guys that that didn't make it in uh, for either one of us. Um, but Quintez Cephas, we we've talked about him before. That that forty time though, that was scary as hell. Uh, I still like him as a prospect and wanted to keep him in uh, in my top 36, so he stayed in there. Uh, but the nut- other guy that uh, we can, you know we don't really need to hit on Cephas much. People can can listen to us go on and on about how that uh, that 40 went in our uh, wide receiver reaction episode. Uh, but the last guy that needs to be covered here uh, was a new addition by you, and that's uh, John Hightower, the uh, wide receiver from Boise State. Uh, yeah, dude, and he was another guy whose athleticism stood out. Um, you know, he's a 6'1", 189-pound wide receiver. He ran 4'4", posted a 38-and-a-half-inch vertical. Uh, you know, started looking into him. Yeah, he's a you know, smooth-looking wide receiver on tape. You know, was their go-to guy there at Boise State this past year. Had some really solid production. Um, and, and so, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm definitely a guy I think that, that we need to keep an eye on and, and you know, uh, keep our ears open as far as what people are saying about him because I think that he possesses some promise. Also returned kicks. Uh, yeah, also this, returned you kicks. Know, this is another guy I, I've I've been aware of. Uh, it's it's interesting that that both him and Reed are guys that that you put into the top thirty six because they check a lot of the James boxes. Um, but he's uh, yeah he's definitely somebody that that people need to keep an eye on because. He's got got some good talent and and doing that at that size. The thing I really worry about him is how thin he is, though. Um, you know, at that size, like that's that's a little concerning to me. Just checking in at six two one eighty nine at the combine, uh, that that does worry me a little bit. Uh, being that thinner build, uh, but otherwise, you know, like you said, I mean, dude, you know, just Justin Jefferson came in at like what what was it six three one ninety three. Yeah. Or was he higher than that? Um, let's see. I've got him right here. Some of my w- weights still are just the weights that we had from the team listed weights. So, um, yeah, Justin Jefferson came in at 61202 at the combine. Okay. Well, that's com- that's com- <laughs> completely different than yep. what the team listed him as. And like honestly, that's a much more appealing build. So, I yeah, I guess I, I guess I'm wrong about that. So, yeah, like that is a pretty slight build, but still man, I mean in the modern NFL, I, I think that's far from outside of an acceptable range. So um, that wouldn't be my concern. There, there's probably a load of other concerns. But again, this is another guy I'm going to let Draft Capital guide me with a little bit. So, uh, by the way, while we were sitting here talking, producer Tim did a little bit of research here to look up what our bet actually was. 
and uh, it was Zach Moss and Eno Benjamin, which I'm sure you yes. feel much more comfortable with, and I feel like much yes. less comfortable with Let's go. than Anthony McFarland. So let's go. Uh, but whatever, man. I'm I still feel like I've got I've got a solid chance there, and so we'll see what happens. Yes, and I I feel uh, a thousand times more confident in that oh, I'm in sure that, you do. In that bet I'm sure because you do. I think son of a bitch, you know, a dude. Thank you, producer Tim, for putting in that time because I did not like uh, Ben misrepresenting our uh, our bet. So uh, whatever, dude. The funny part about this is that you thought that you were predicting it to be somebody else who was much worse than Eno Benjamin. So I should have just I should have just been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It was Keyshawn Vaughn. <laughs> uh no we want we want truths to only be spoken here on this podcast we, oh, okay. we don't we don't want okay. any, we don't want any lies and uh okay you know, that's, okay that's why okay. it was useful for uh for producer tim to go look it up and and any of those other bets uh we we definitely need to uh to keep track of and see and see how things go there's got to be something that happens at the actual nfl draft based on uh based on some of some of this stuff i know a lot of it won't be figured out till the season happens but um, that does lead me here. We've, uh, you know, we've kind of, we've covered everything at this point. We are at the end of, we're at the hour mark. Thank you to those of you that are, that are still listening at this point, running, running through these ranks, thinking about it now, just kind of off the top composite ranks between the two of us. Do we have a bet? Another one that we can come up with here quickly, just to add to the, uh, to the pile of things that uh that we that we disagree i don't know if there's somebody uh there's a very large discrepancy uh brian edwards is another one it's like i I would love to make some brian edwards related bet oh dude i would do a brian edwards related bet but i don't know that i would feel comfortable doing it based on where he gets drafted he's not he's not going in the first two days yeah i i i still think he's going to put on the books producer tim (laughs) put it on the books tim Basically, feel like you forced me into that one, but you know what? Fine, fine. Yeah, I do think he's going to. Good. Uh, uh, yeah, because yeah. I, let, me, I, let me see if there's 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 something I can force you into while we're sitting here. Okay. All right. Find one more. Yeah. No. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to quickly enough here. Okay. Uh, well, you can certainly research that and uh, and lead off the the next podcast with uh, with a bet that you feel should be done. So, um, again, everyone, just a reminder, we're, we're taking next week off. So this is dropping on Thursday, and we won't have another one coming for another 12 days uh, on a Tuesday after that. So, everyone, thank you for listening, and uh, we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Off the rails podcast.